All right, friends, welcome back to the finale of our series, 9 to 5. We're talking about mission in everyday life and what it means for us to be the followers of Jesus out in the world, serving Jesus by blessing our neighbors with all the things that our hands find to do. We're going to read today from Isaiah chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, let me invite you to open it. If not, feel free to take the pew Bible out of the rack in front of you. And this is in the Old Testament section, uh, somewhere near the middle of the Bible, Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. And this is the story of, of the call of Isaiah. This is uh, God coming into Isaiah's life and drawing him into a relationship with God. And then uh, you'll see what happens next as we read this together. Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, And the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed. And your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. On a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks often occur, there once was a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut, and they only had one boat, but the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea. With no thought for themselves, they went out day and night tirelessly searching for people who needed to be rescued. Some of those who were saved and some various other people in the community uh, became associated with the station, and they gave their time and their money and their efforts New boats were purchased and new crews were trained, and the little life-saving station began to grow. Some members were unhappy that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped, and so they wanted a more comfortable place of refuge for those who were brought in from the sea. So they put an addition on the building, and they replaced the emergency cots with beds. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, They decorated it beautifully, and they thought of it as sort of a club. Fewer members were now interested in going out to sea on life-saving missions, and so they hired uh, life-saving crews to go out in the lifeboats and do the work for them. But the life-saving motif still prevailed in the club's decorations, and in the room where the club's initiations were held, there was a liturgical lifeboat. About this time, there was a large shipwreck just off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold and wet and half-drowned people, 
They were dirty and they were sick and some of them had black skin and some of them had yellow skin and the new beautiful club was in chaos. The property committee met immediately. They had a shower installed outside of the building so that people could be properly cleaned up before they came into the club. At the next meeting of all the members, there was a split. Most of them wanted to stop the life-saving activities because they were unpleasant. They were a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. A few insisted on life-saving as their primary purpose, and they pointed out they they were still called a life-saving station, but those were finally voted down and told if if they want to save the lives of these uh, dirty, wet, yucky people, then they could start their own life-saving station. And so uh, in those days, another life-saving station popped up, and as the years went by, that new station experienced similar changes that had occurred in the old station. It, too, evolved into a club And then yet another life-saving station was founded on that coast, and another and another history continues to repeat itself. And if you visit that seacoast today, you'll find a number of exclusive clubs along the shoreline. Shipwrecks are frequent in those waters, but most of the people drown. Friends, this is a parable of the church of Jesus Christ Brothers and sisters, all around us in our community, people are drowning. People are drowning in poverty and in hunger. People are drowning in hopelessness and homelessness. People are drowning in fear and in broken relationships and in isolation and in depression and in addiction. And the the list goes on and on. The waves are high. And they come crashing down into the lives of people. And some of them are wearing life jackets, but most of them are not. And God is saying to his church, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? The people are drowning. Who will go out into the world? I wonder who among us has the courage to stand up and say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I have no theological training, Lord. I have no expertise in mental health. I have no experience, Lord, in community relations or or in mediation or or in preaching. Uh, But that's okay, Lord, because uh, I've got the one thing that matters most. God, I've got the courage to share the gospel with people who need to hear it. Here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, send me into my workplace so that I can treat difficult people with kindness and respect. Lord, send me into my home so that I can ask for and offer forgiveness with the people I love. Lord, send me into my neighbor's home so that I can love them without judgment. Lord, send me into the marketplace where I can serve others in the unique way you have equipped me to serve them. Lord, send me on to social media, not to brag about my own life, but to find ways to pray for others in their lives. Brothers and sisters, the question for today is not, do you feel prepared? Because many of us do not feel prepared. 
The question for today is not, are you an expert? Because we're not experts, are we? The question is certainly not, can you guarantee success? Because we cannot guarantee success. The question for today, friends, is, are you willing? Are you willing? That's the only question. Are you willing to go for us? Are you willing to go into the dark places of this world and shine the light of Christ? Are you willing to go into the broken places of this world and offer the healing of Christ? Are you willing to go into the dangerous places of this world and offer the hope of Christ? Are you willing to become uncomfortable? Are you willing to try something new? Are you willing to give up your favorite personal church ministry? Are you willing to to let go of your comfortable church habits if it means that we might reach someone new with the gospel of Christ? Are you willing? Are you willing to risk getting in the rescue boat? Are you willing to risk getting wet? Are you willing to risk falling overboard in order to save the lost people of this community? God is saying to his church, whom shall I send and who will go for us? You see, dear friends, our God is a sending God. God has this habit of sending God's people out into the world. This is why Jesus called us apostles. The word apostle in the Greek means sent. Those of us who follow Jesus, we we come to Jesus, we're trained and equipped, and then we are sent back out into the world. We are apostles sent out into the world. In the Nicene Creed, we usually say the Apostles' Creed around here, but in the Nicene Creed, it says that the church is one holy, Catholic, and apostolic, meaning we are a sent people out into the world. You see, a church that sits and stays is not a church at all. Friends, our God is a God of movement. God is on the lookout right now for some people who are willing to be sent out into the world. God is looking for some men and some women and some children who will say yes to the call. And when God encounters a church like that, when God finds a group of ordinary people who say, here I am, send me, God is so pleased that God sends fire and wind God sends energy and passion. God releases all the resources of the Holy Spirit to fill up those people so that they are equipped to go out into the world. You see, God doesn't have much use for a church that sits and stays. But for a church that is willing to move, for a church that is willing to change, for a church that is willing to get uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel, well, God can use a church like that. Just as God the Father sent Jesus Christ, the Son. Friends, we learn what it means to be a sent people from our examination of the life and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew, the tax collector, tells the story of the Last Supper. He tells it like this. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, 
This is my body. And then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he he gave it to them, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I want you to notice something. Perhaps this is a story you've heard before. I want you to notice that in the Eucharist, in the Lord's Supper, there is this extraordinary fourfold pattern. This is the shape of Holy Communion, but it's also the shape of the life of Jesus Christ, and it's also the shape of those who follow Jesus into the world, and it is this, take, bless, break, give. Take, bless, break, give. This is the way that God in Christ offers hospitality and service to the world. Take, bless, break, give. This is what Jesus did at the Last Supper, right? Jesus took bread, he blessed it, he broke the bread, and then he gave it to his disciples to feed them, not just in their body, but in their soul. But that's not all. Right, Because this is also what Jesus did with his life. Friends, Jesus was taken and blessed and broken and given. You know the story, don't you? Jesus was taken out of his comfortable place in heaven. He left the power of his throne above in exchange for a feed trough and a sin-soaked world. And then he was blessed. At his baptism, the father said, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And the spirit descended on him like a dove. And then he was broken. And his body was beaten. And he was whipped and punched and spat upon. And he died on the cross so that he could be given so that he could be given as an offering, as a sacrifice for the sin of the whole world, so that his death means our life. Take, bless, break, give. Now see, friends, that's what Jesus did with the bread, and that's what he does with his life, but that's also what he will do with your life if you're willing. You see, if you're willing, Jesus will take you out of your comfortable spot in your life. He will lead you out of your comfortable Christian bubble, and he'll take you places where you have never been before. He'll take you beyond your undisturbed American middle-class existence, and he will bring you to the hurting places of this world. And if you're willing to be taken, friends, trust me, you will be blessed. He will bless you in extraordinary ways over and over, and you will have amazing experiences that leave you thinking, how in the world could those I serve be as blessed as I have been in doing the serving? And having taken you and blessed you, then comes the hardest part, right? Because God will break you, my friends. God will break your heart for the suffering of his children. God will break your bad habits and give you new ones instead. God will break your false pride and your idolatry and your obsession with your own life. And he will break your commitment to sin. But he doesn't stop there. Thanks be to God, he doesn't leave us in that place, friends. The cross is the best thing, but it's not the last thing. Because Good Friday is not the end of the story 
Because in the resurrection, Jesus is given to the whole world. And so you, having been taken and blessed and broken, God will give you to the world. He will forgive your sin, and he will replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh so that you can be given for the world, so that your life will make a difference in the lives of other people. And in some strange way, when we lose our life for the sake of Jesus, we actually gain it. And in some strange way, when we give it away, we actually receive more of it than we ever had. Take, bless, break, give. Do that with me. Put your hands up. Ready? Take, bless, break, give. Again, take, bless, break, give. This is the Christian life, my brothers and my sisters. Last thing. Last thing. As you leave the parking lot out here at Greenwell Court, there's a sign I wonder if you've ever noticed that sign before. Some of you have. Maybe some of you haven't. It's one of my favorite signs around the whole campus. I don't know if you can read it. It says, you are now entering the mission field. Brothers and sisters, every time you leave this place, you are entering the mission field. You are apostles of Jesus Christ sent out into a hurting world because out there people are drowning. People are drowning in poverty and in hunger. People are drowning in broken relationships. People are drowning in fear and despair. And they need a word of good news. And they will say, does anyone have a good word for me today? Can anyone help me in my predicament? And all around this community, there are organizations that started out as life-saving stations And some of them, maybe many of them, have become yacht clubs. God, prevent it. God, keep Timberlake from becoming a yacht club. You see, friends, some of those life-saving stations are still alive with the same spirit with which they were founded. This is the spirit of service. This is the spirit of joy. This is the spirit says, it's not about me. What can I do for someone else? These are those life-saving stations who still clearly remember their mission to save people. They understand clearly that when they go out into the world, people can be saved. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Timberlake Church said, Here we are. Send us. Let God's people say amen.